Hey everyone, welcome to episode 280 of F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I was joined by a nature and landscape photographer who has chosen to specialize in abstract and small scenes, Alberto Rodriguez Garcia. Alberto and I had a wonderful conversation that touched on some really fun subjects, including psychedelic experiences, image curation, minimalism, the importance of critique, and so many more fun subjects. So stay tuned. Before we get rolling with today's awesome episode, I want to alert listeners that time is literally running out to enter the Natural Landscape Photography Awards. Assuming you are listening to this episode the day that it came out, you have just two more days before we close for entries on August 31st. So time is of the essence if you want to compete for over $38,000 in prizes, more than almost any other existing landscape photography competition that exists today. We are able to offer this insane amount of cash prizes because we don't exist to make profit. We exist to provide a platform for photographers to showcase and be rewarded for their naturally edited landscape and nature photography. So be sure to head over to naturallandscapeawards.com to get started with your entries. Okay, let's get to the show. All right. Alberto Rodriguez Garcia, it's great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, hey Matt, great to be here. I, I feel really lucky to get to come on and talk about photography with you, and it's great to finally meet you or video. So thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. You have a very memorable and peculiar Instagram handle, which is also what you use over on our Discord channel, and it's L. You'll have to say it because I'm. Yeah, it's, it's El Europeo, which is Spanish for the European person. I made that account uh, in like 2011 when I didn't think I'd be using it for very much. So it's stuck with me since then. <laughs> right on. Well, let me first just say, like, I really enjoy your photography. And um, I've had lots of people kind of offline recommend you to the podcast um, because they like your work. And so um, I'm just super happy we could finally make this happen yeah no thank you that that means a lot it's it's like i said it's an honor to be here it's i've listened to so many of my favorite photographers on here so yeah it means a lot cool well for for people that don't know you why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself yeah for sure my name's alberto rodriguez garcia and i'm a 26 year old landscape photographer i'm originally from spain but i grew up mostly in los angeles california and now i live in san francisco and I have for about the last six years. And here in San Francisco, I work full-time in the tech industry, but photography for me really started becoming an important part of my life about two years ago. And now I pursue photography uh, as a hobby, a creative and expressive outlet, and also as a way for me to interact with nature more meaningfully. And I mostly lean towards shooting kind of intimate and abstract photos of nature, but I'm interested in kind of all types of landscape photography. So I'm not uh, heavily biased uh, in that sense. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. You know, you're 26. I'm guessing no kids. Oh, right. Yeah. No kids. No kids. uh, Not married or anything. I do have a girlfriend uh, who's very supportive. (laughs) But yeah, that definitely (laughs) changes how I do photography, right? Like not having a family. So yeah. Yeah. How, How excited is she about your photography? You know, she's more supportive, I think, than most people would be in the circumstances. Like, I'll share early photos with her and, like, ask her for feedback and, like, what she thinks. And she's super nice about it. 
And we, you know, we go outside camping and hiking together a lot. And she's for the most part, very supportive. So very thankful for that. Nice. Lucky you, my, my wife, I'll show her like my favorite photo I've taken on a trip and she'll be like, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. I mean, I've just gotten used to it. It's, it's, I think she actually does it just to mess with me now, but yeah, she's pushing you to get better. Oh yeah, for, for yeah. sure. Then to be fair, she would say that about photos like 10 years ago that I thought were awesome <laughs> and now are terrible. So right. What, what does your son think? He's just like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> he's 14. Yeah. So he's just like, okay, he'll get there. Nothing is as cool as Fortnite. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to spend some time uh, talking about your super immersive journey into photography, and I understand that back in January of 2020, uh, you read a book by Jack Kerouac, and subsequently you had some realizations um, about a lot of things in your life and started to pursue photography and nature. So I would love to hear about this. Yeah, absolutely. So in the beginning of 2020, um, which was right before, you know, the craziest year in most of our lives, uh, I read this book called On the Road. And for those that haven't read it, it's it's basically a frantic, semi-autobiographical book about this guy who travels the U.S. in like the 50s or 60s, just basically causing trouble and having fun with his buddies, uh, which at the face of it, it doesn't seem like that would really have much of an impact besides like, this is a fun book. Um, but I think the fact that it's written in such a frantic manner and it suddenly just kind of ends, I won't spoil the ending, but it just kind of ends. And to me, that that kind of shook me because it started to make me think about my own life and the fact that when I think about my own life, it's it feels, and I, maybe it's others feel this way too, but it feels like it's going to go on forever, even though day by day, year by year, it seems to go by faster and faster. And when I thought about that ending, I just thought like, wow, at any second, you know, my life could just end or by, by the time I'm done with life, it'll just be like a flash and it's over. And that book really made me just consider that life is so short, you know, that I want it. There's so many things that I want to do, so many things I want to experience. And if I want to do all those things and see all those things and have those experiences, I need to prioritize them and I need to start actively trying to fill that need that I have kind of in my soul, I guess, this very like deep need that I have. And I think I read it at the right time in my life, um, even though it was slightly inconvenient because, you know, soon after quarantine happened. Uh, but the reason why I think it connects to photography really well in terms of, you know, my journey, I guess, is that because quarantine happened and because there was really nothing else to do except go outside, it, you know, it forced me to make that my main means of feeling the void of having experiences and, and you know, living as best as I could and, and seeing things that I wanted to see. And I'd always been interested in nature. I'd always gone camping and hiking, but this really just kind of propelled that and made camping, hiking, being outside, having experiences in nature, my primary hobby. Um, and so that's, yeah, it was just such an interesting moment because I remember thinking like, wow, like I remember in the moment thinking this is something that's going to affect me for a while. So before that, had you had much experience in nature and or using a camera? Yeah, so I had plenty of experience in nature. Um, I, you know, growing up, I, I grew up partially in Spain and then partially in, in Los Angeles. And my family wasn't the most outdoorsy. And those are two very big uh, cities, right? So in my youth, I didn't have too much experience. But starting in college, I, I began hiking and camping a lot more. And then after college, when I had more free time is when I started doing that more seriously. But 
up to this point, it, it was not at all the same. Like once, once 2020 hit, you know, or once I read this book, that, that really started to become a big part of my life. Uh, and photography wise, I bought a DSLR in 2018 just on a whim because I, I like taking photos while traveling, as most people do. Um, but I didn't use it very seriously and I, and I didn't bother learning anything about it until, um, you know, later in 2020 when I decided to take it a bit more seriously. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, I feel like the pandemic kind of did that to a lot of people where they had this wake up call that, you know, maybe what they were doing in life wasn't what they had in mind or they felt like they should reprioritize different parts of their life. And a lot of people exited the workforce. And <clears throat> for anyone like me who has to hire people, it's like become really difficult because like, it's just impossible to find anyone who actually wants to work anymore. <laughs> yeah. But um, totally. I'm, where I'm going with this is uh, now that you've kind of had some of that, that wake up call, so to speak, how has that translated in terms of your professional career or how have you kind of managed to incorporate that into being a working professional? Yeah, that, that's a really interesting question. After college, I decided that I was going to work way less hard. So in college, you know, I, which was like six years ago when I graduated, I, I was really just doing everything I could. Like I was in a bunch of clubs. I had several jobs. I, you know, was taking two majors. So I was just really, really busy and I didn't really have time for anything else. But after I graduated, I decided like that this was my time to do the things that I wanted and to be selfish a little bit. Um, so I think since then I have prioritized my work-life balance as much as I can so that I do have the time to do the things that I want. And in the job that I have and the career that I have, and so I work in the tech industry and for anyone who knows anyone in there, it, it varies in degree of chillness. Uh, but my job is my job is pretty chill relatively, so I feel like I have a lot of free time to to do the things that I want, um, and yeah, to just prioritize other things besides work. Because, like you just said, the pandemic and and a lot of things happening in the world just are making people realize that work is not the most important thing, and it shouldn't be. Because I mean, for some, work is very fulfilling, and that's that's awesome. Um, I'm personally not that's not the thing for me. Uh, work is a means to an end, um, so that that's how I view it. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. Well, <laughs> this one's going to be fun, bro. So <laughs> so I really, really, really want to hear you talk about uh, a psychedelic experience that you had that helped you see the world differently while you were making images. Yeah, totally. And but before I talk about this, I just want to caveat <laughs> for everyone listening that I'm not here to promote the use of psychedelics. If you are interested in experimenting or using psychedelics, I'd highly encourage doing lots of research beforehand and making sure that you do it for the right reasons and in the right way. Uh, it's not for everyone and there's definitely risks involved. So just, you know, if you're thinking about doing it, just make sure you do your research and I'm happy to share resources uh, in the show notes uh, with you, Matt, as well. And if you're Alberto's employer, just it's a different, <laughs> it's a different Alberto. It's you got the wrong guy. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And if you're the FBI, just don't worry about it. <laughs> well, it's legal in some states now, so. Yes, that's where I did it, where it was legal. Um, yeah. But anyway, that being said, uh, so I mentioned, in, you know, the beginning of 2020, I, I read this book that made me realize certain things. And then the pandemic happened. And shortly after the pandemic began, uh, I think around June of 2020, I went to the state park in the California coast with my brother and my best friend. 
and we had a psychedelic experience together. And with these kinds of experiences, I think it's really difficult to describe uh, how, what it's like and kind of the effects that it can have. But it really did change deeply the way that I felt about myself and the world. And during this experience, even the smallest things, like a little pebble on the ground or the shimmer of the ocean, like in the distance, were just felt like the most beautiful and important things that I'd ever seen. And it really, it was like a veil was lifted from my eyes, essentially. And I, and I felt like I could finally see things more clearly than I'd ever have before. And not only the external world, right, the physical things, the nature that I was in, but also I was able to process my own thoughts a little bit clearer. And I, I didn't feel as stuck in the way that I was thinking. It kind of opened my neural networks, I guess, in a way where I could, I could make different connections that I hadn't made before. And I think from that, I just became much more present, much more observant of the things around me and myself. And I just became really interested in, in everything and anything. I, you know, there was nothing that wasn't worth putting my attention in or you know, nothing that, was, that wasn't worth exploring. And there was no detail that was too small to appreciate. And that, I think, also helped me realize how important it is to just live in the moment and how much beauty there is around us. You know, I think a lot of the times we forget just how awesome this world is. There's just so much to experience and to see and, and to love. And so, you know, even if it's something really mundane or, or ordinary, I think what I found the most interesting, though, was the fact that this little mushroom <laughs> could just completely change how your brain processes the world around you. It makes you realize that the way you see the world is just one of an almost infinite number of possibilities of, of how someone else could see the world or how you could see the world. And that was just super awesome. And that led you know, me down this path of more intimate photography because I became very interested in the details and the things that seem mundane, but when you really pay close attention are not. That's awesome. It, I'm curious when you, or I guess after you had this experience and it sounds like up till now, it has it impacted the way you see nature when you're outside? Sometimes. Yeah. I think the experience is, is can be very, can vary a lot. So in my experience, there was some visual, you know, uh, effects I, you could say, or, or things that were clearly not how nature actually is. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't see that anymore, right? Like I'm not walking around there's like swirls everywhere or something. So it's like, um, it was like a, it was like a, a Peter Lick photo. <laughs> yeah, there were just moons everywhere. There were just, I just couldn't escape. Uh, it was actually a nightmare. Um, but yeah, I think it, it does make me see things in a way, like for example, texture. I think texture was something that I never really noticed before. But when I had this experience, you know, even looking at some, some like a pile of rocks on the coast, I would notice all these, all these textures and the fact that everything around you just has so much texture and it's so rich. Um, and so that I think lended me to, to noticing it a lot more in other places after the experience. And I am still very interested in that. And I photograph textures a lot just because it's something that I, that I was drawn to when I was in that experience. Um, and I think in general, though, it just gave me a much greater appreciation for, for the natural world. And that's why also doing it in a place that gives you that opportunity is really important because if you do it, you know, at a party or something with a bunch of strangers, that's very different than if you do it with your friends you know, in some beautiful natural landscape. So it, that can definitely change your experience. And for me doing it somewhere along the coast in California that had some kind of personal meaning to me was also very important, I think, for it, for it to be a good experience that, that resulted in some kind of meaningful change in my behavior. I'm really curious to hear you talk a little bit about how that experience has informed how you approach your photography now 
and what goals you have with your work? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I think that experience definitely is a big reason why I shoot mostly intimate and abstract photography, because like I said, it just made me see all the little details and the things that most people probably would think are mundane or not interesting in a way that was just brilliantly beautiful. And I felt like I, I have to show these kinds of things to people because I think it's really important. But that being said, there are definitely other reasons why I kind of shoot in this way or, or kind of have this as my primary style, I guess you could say. And I think the main other reason is because of my friend, Martin Gonzalez. So he was someone who, he was basically the only photographer I knew for you know, until last year, basically the end of last year. He, he was my primary influence, you could say. I didn't see any other photography besides his. And for those that aren't familiar with him, he primarily shoots abstracts and landscape or abstracts and intimate photography. And so he was kind of the benchmark for me. I looked at his work and I thought, that's the kind of stuff that I want to do. So I didn't have any other influence and style. I didn't see very many wide angle scenes. I didn't see all the different, all the plethora of like genres that there are in landscape photography. So I think having him as a reference point, plus this psychedelic experience that, that made me really interested in the small things and the details, uh, all of that combined, I think, into this, yeah, this just desire and need to, to show off all these beautiful mundane things, I guess. And I still shoot things that are beautifully epic and that are classically awesome, right? But my things that I'm most drawn to, I think, are still in this realm because of those two things. Yeah, I, I've gravitated quite a bit more towards those types of scenes as well. But I, I found that for, for me anyway, I have to kind of be in the right headspace to appreciate those kind of things. Specifically, like, I can't be driven by a deadline or an objective. I have to be more in a space of like, just being open to what I find and not having to worry about anything else. And, you know, there's no expectation. And then like, once my mind is free, then I can start to see those things appear before me. I'm curious what your experience has been. Yeah, I think your point is re really good about kind of not having any expectations. And I think when I first started doing photography, that's that's how I started. I didn't, because I didn't look at anyone else's work, really, I didn't know anyone. <laughs> I was just, I was just going out there and I was shooting whatever was interesting or whatever I thought, you know, attracted me. And I think that's really important when you start out, especially because when you already know, or when you already see what you want to photograph beforehand, it can really limit the way that you see the world. And there are certain photographers that I aspire my work to be like now. But if I had had that mindset before, I think I could have been directed in a certain way that might not have been as fun, <laughs> first of all, because it's fun to just have no expectations and do whatever feels right in the moment. But also it might not have been as fulfilling because I, I'm not going to say that I discovered this all by myself, but with without having so many expectations, it was just a little bit more liberating. So I definitely agree with you. And, and I'm curious, Matt, have you ever dabbled in the, the psychedelics? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh, just a little bit. My wife and I actually went to, so I live close to Telluride, Colorado. And every year they have this music festival called Ride Fest. And uh, the year that I went, um, it was all like jam bands and stuff, which kind of can be hit or miss. But the friends that we went with, they all were super into psychedelics and drugs. And I had never done any psychedelics before that. And 
they were like, well, you should just like microdose. And so I microdosed on some LSD at the concert and uh, it was awesome. <laughs> like, and it was like drizzling rain with this amazing music with like these, this backdrop of amazing mountains and some of my favorite people around me. And, you know, like you can feel the music the best way I could describe it is that all of your senses just get amplified a little bit. So it wasn't like things were, you know, like I wasn't hallucinating or anything like that, but everything was just amplified. And I was like, Oh, I love the feel of the rain on my skin. And <laughs> you know, that, and I usually don't like rain. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really enjoyed that experience for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a great time, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it was like, super safe like we were camping at the they basically you can camp right next to the city park it so you know you just walk so it's not like you're driving or doing anything like that so you know it was, it was very safe totally yeah that's the way to do it yeah exactly i kind of feel like it would have been super cool to have a camera in my hand though <laughs> <laughs> oh man i yeah so when I did that, that's that psychedelic experience I mentioned, I, I didn't do any photography because that was still very early on for me. But I remember thinking afterwards, man, I wish I could have tried at least. But even then, it's it's hard to capture things when you're in that state because you're just everything oh, yeah. is just mind blowing. Right. So you're trying to see like which specific awesome thing am I trying to photograph? And it's just it's overwhelming because it's all just so crazy. But yeah, it's that would definitely be an interesting experience. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Um, every a few times a year I'll do these like really fun photography trips with my buddy Kane and and like, you know, there might be some substances consumed. And, <laughs> and there's like times when we're like sitting around the campfire and and we're both like, look at that over there. That's the <laughs> most amazing scene I've ever seen. And then you and then like one of us decides to photograph it and then we look at it and the next morning it's totally trash. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, I've so, been there. I bet it's like that. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. It probably is. It's it's not the most conducive to any to really doing anything. You just got to do like experience life when you're in that kind of stage. You can't even like texting. It's impossible for me to do anything. Right. Yeah, no, I think yeah, I think it's more about just having the experience and then hopefully that experience translates into changing the way you might think about certain things. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what it did for you. <laughs> well, I mean, earlier you talked about how you were immediately drawn to the more intimate and abstract style. Um, you know, considering that you've only been doing this for a short amount of time, that's that's kind of unusual. And I know you've already talked a little bit about the why behind that, but I'm curious if you have done any intentional work to break free of that to see if there's other areas of photography that you might be interested in. Yeah, that's a, a great question. Recently, I have done that a little bit because I realized that, and after hearing some of some of your chats with other photographers like Devin Rogers or Ben Mays, I you know I would look at their work and, and I thought it was spectacular and that they were doing it in a, in a different way, but still capturing something that was really beautiful and that you know spoke to them and that they were showing things that they were seeing and that they connected with. And so I started thinking a little bit more about how I would go about doing that because even using a wide angle lens doesn't mean you have to shoot epic sunsets or epic sunrises, right? There's a lot more that you can do with a wide angle lens that is a little bit more abstract or, or 
or you know, in, in my opinion, interesting. So recently on a on a trip to Yosemite, I went backpacking, and uh, there was this perfect view of the sunrise. Like there was two, there was like two, three lakes in succession, like progressively getting kind of closer and closer to the valley floor on the on the eastern Sierra side, and there was like mountain ridges on both sides collapsing into like this frame. And I thought this is this, if this, I'm going to do a wide angle shot, it's got to be here and I have to try it because I usually would not even try. And so on that particular trip, which was a couple weeks ago, I busted out my wide angle lens. I dusted it off a little bit. Uh, I didn't even put it on my tripod cause it's, it's a whole thing, but uh, yeah, I took, I took a few wide angle shots and I was actually really surprised and happy with how some of them turned out. So I think I'm starting to break out of my intimate kind of tunnel vision a little bit because I do think that sometimes I I just ignore things that um, that are that are there to be seen because I've just been focused so much on this style and also because I quite frankly I'm not very good at it because I've practiced so much in the intimate kind of style with my telephoto I feel much more comfortable whereas now with my wide angle lens I just feel a little bit out of sorts and and not super confident with it so I want to break free of that a little bit and because it, you know, it, it opens up a lot of opportunities and, you know, there's no right way to photograph. There's no right equipment to photograph with. It's just about how you want to express yourself and what kind of things attract your attention. Uh, yeah. Well said. It's, it's interesting because the way you just described that is how I used to talk about using a telephoto lens, you know, I'm like, Oh, it's kind of awkward and I never can see anything, but it's, I don't know about you, but for me, it's, it's just all about being open to failure and practicing and being fine with getting something that's not perfect and then just trying to improve upon that the next time you go out like it's there's no sense in beating yourself up you know yeah absolutely I I also really agree that experience and practice are the two ways to get better or to get better quickly in photography you know if if you shoot once or twice a month maybe it's going to be a lot harder to to get that practice and to, to to figure out what you like to shoot to troubleshoot the things that, that work and that don't work so that the more you can shoot, the more you can fail, the more you can realize what things you like about photos that you take, what things you don't like and how to refine it next time. So I'm a really big proponent for myself personally. I don't tell this to anyone else really because uh, no one's really listening usually, but you know, I just, I try to go out as much as I can because one, it's fun and it's, and it helps me have experiences in nature, but two, it, it's also just great practice and I can get better. I can refine the way that I see, the way that I compose, um, you know, it's important to have a frame of reference for what is what is good to you, what you consider good, so that you have something to, I guess, benchmark your images to in a way. But yeah, I think getting that experience in practice and, and using different equipment, like you said, different lenses and kind of breaking out of that mold that you've built in your brain about how photography should be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you literally just started making images and you're already making some really good stuff. So what would you attribute your fast growth to? Well, <laughs> I, I still think I'm not where I want to be necessarily, but thank you. That's very nice. I think I mentioned two of them already, but I'll mention them again. And then just to recap, but the first is not having any expectations when I started. So that was extremely helpful. You know, I intuitively knew that there was a lot of awesome photographers, but I didn't know, I didn't look at it. And I didn't want to compare myself to them because ultimately I knew that they would fall very, very short. Uh, <laughs> so I I didn't bother really thinking about it. I just went out there and I wanted to do what felt right for me without feeling like I had to do a specific thing or shoot a specific subject. 
The second, which I just mentioned, is just doing a lot of photography and, and getting a lot of practice. I'm not really interested in the technical details of the camera or of having the best equipment. I care about being outside and I care about having experiences and taking photos of the things that I'm drawn to. So yeah, for me, it was just really important to go out and shoot as much as I could to gain experience, but also, like I said, because it was fun. And I think there's this quote by Henri Cartier-Bresson who said, your first 10,000 photos are your worst. And I feel that's very true, especially when you're first starting. And I just wanted to get that 10,000 out of the way. Uh, so there's a balance, of course, with, you know, you don't want to go out and photograph all the time and, you know, neglect other parts of your life. There's always a balance. But for me, that was really important. The third is having Martin Gonzalez, like I said, as a mentor. So in the beginning, we wouldn't talk very much. You know, we, we knew each other from college, but we weren't really friends. We were more acquaintances. And so I looked up to his work, but I didn't really talk to him very much. But over time, I started to ask him questions, and he was always really encouraging, really kind, and would offer the right level of critique for the level that I was at. So if I were to show him a photo now, it would be a very different level of critique than if I showed him a photo a year and a half ago. But he was really instrumental. Like Without him, I definitely would not be talking to you, Matt. I would not feel as comfortable with my photography. So he was 100% a huge influence and a big reason why I feel really confident. So for anyone out there, like having someone to honestly and expertly critique your photos is massive and it can really help you develop very quickly. So that's the third thing. And then the fourth, um, I think this year I've started to do this a bit more, but I've taken an active interest in trying to actually learn more about photography because I kind of avoided doing that uh, the last the last year. And so I've purchased a few tutorials from Alex Noriega and, and Eric Bennett, who I really look up to. And I've joined two of Eric's critique groups, which were fantastic. Uh, in some ways, I'm glad I waited a bit to do these things. Because like I said before, it, it can kind of give you expectations that you don't really want when you're starting out. Um, and then next year, I'll be attending my first workshop and probably my only workshop uh, with Guy Tall and Michael Gordon. Oh, so man. I have, oh, I know. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's. I've said this before, but I feel like that's probably the only workshop I would ever take. In fact, I even emailed them and I was like, hey, let me know if you have an opening because I really feel like they have something to offer that I can't get somewhere else. Yeah, you should sign up, man. There's, I think there's probably still spots, February 2023. I know. It's funny. They invited me to go with them to Death Valley like in February, but I had just gone to Death Valley in January. I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Too much desert. Too much Death Valley. And yeah. well, too much time away from work, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but th- no, those that's are probably awesome. the four main things. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a, what you just said is really important. Like that progression and putting it in the right order and the right sequence, I think is really important. Um, I've been lucky throughout my career. You know, I had, when I first started, I didn't really have anyone to look up to. I just kind of just tried to figure it out on my own and, that's why for like the first four years of photography, my images weren't very good. But then I, you know, I found somebody who was willing to just like, they saw something like, oh, I, I like what you're doing. Like, reminds me of what I used to do, and um, which is my friend Kane. And, and then he, w- he started inviting me to go on trips with him. And, you know, and like it just goes from there. But I think having somebody who's made this, at Out of Yosemite, I had the pleasure of teaching with John Sexton, 
And one of the things he said at his presentation is will always stick with me. And, and he said, I'm not a better photographer than you. I've just made more mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is super powerful. And the way I see that is, you know, no matter where you're at in your progression, like it's important to leverage the mistakes of others, even if you don't necessarily see them as like the expert in what you're trying to learn, I guarantee you're going to learn something by talking to them or engaging with them. So I think that's what's cool about this particular community is that people are very open to that. And there's some, there's some amazing people in this field that are, you know, they love helping other people. So I love what, I just love everything you just said. So Yeah. And I totally agree. And now that I've met more photographers, I kind of wish that I had started sooner to meet them because some of them, I mean, most of them are just awesome, awesome people. And they're very diverse interests, diverse opinions that are all valid and, and great to you know, debate and, and chat with. So yeah, it's, there's definitely a ton of great people. And, and I'll just say for anyone who feels like they don't have someone who they can share images with, like feel free to send them to me if you think uh, that I'm worthy. So you know, I'll just throw that out there for anyone else because I, I do think it's also important to pay it back in a sense. You know, Martin sacrificed a good amount of time and you know, he could have been doing anything else besides helping me. So if there's anyone out there who, who feels like they need or want help and they're afraid to ask, just uh, go for it. Awesome. Well, shifting gears a little bit, you mentioned to me that I just found this fascinating. You create a new gallery of work every three months. And I just think this is absolutely bonkers, mostly because I feel like it could lead, lead to burnout and I don't know, like forcing images that might not be good. So I would love for you to talk about uh, this approach and your motivation behind it. Yeah, you're absolutely right that it is bonkers. <laughs> but I'll I'll explain I'll explain why I'm doing this. Um, so for most of 2021, I was basically just trying to pump out images. So I would go on a trip, I would take a bunch of photos, usually way too many, and as soon as I got home, I would download them. I've, I've heard the story from other people as well. I would edit four or five of them as quickly as I could, so that I would have basically you know a little Instagram drip that I could do yeah, throughout the week. Of course, you have you gotta to make the gram happy, baby. You have to, yeah. Well, otherwise, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but yeah, so obviously, as most people have said on this show, that's very exhausting, and it doesn't lead to the best results because you're not looking at your photos objectively, and you're you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're doing it so that you can have, or in my case, I was doing it so that I could have a constant presence on social media. So I wanted a process that let me have more time with each photo before I share them but would also let me whittle down the photos to the best that I took. And I know that sounds a little counterintuitive because like you said, it's every three months. So that is, there is still a time pressure. Um, But since the fall of last year, I've been working on this schedule, I would say to develop a gallery of 24 images every three months. And I'm doing this as an experiment. So this isn't something that I plan on doing forever. Uh, For me, it's a way to challenge myself and to, to sort of, give myself motivation to go out and photograph and not just photograph, but have experiences in nature and to kind of quell the thirst that I was saying earlier about the need to want or the the want and need to see as much as I can. Um, So yeah, what I do is basically I go on a bunch of trips in that three month period leading up to the release. I, I edit 
a bunch of them. I edit too many of them also to get practice because I feel like I'm still not quite there on the post-processing. So I want to practice and to edit photos, even if they're not going to make it. And usually I'll end up with, you know, 50 to 60 photos that I've edited depends on the, you know, on the period. And I'll try to whittle them down to the 24 best ones. And because I like sharing work with others, I think it's really an important part of the artistic process. I want to have enough photos to share in a three-month period where it feels like it's significant. So yeah, like I said, I think this, this process of doing a gallery, it's very different from doing standalone images because you have more time to sit with all the images, to see them as a collection. And it makes you a bit more objective because you can look at an image in a collection and say, oh, actually, this image is not particularly strong or this image doesn't really... It's not at the standard that I want for this whole collection. So it makes you a bit more objective. And this year I've made, or I should say, since the fall of last year, I've made three galleries. And the goal is to make one more that will come out in the fall. And after that, I'm just going to reassess because that would be a year basically of doing this. And then I'll see if that's sustainable. If I feel like it's helping me produce my best work, I think ultimately I'll, I might still stick to the three month schedule, but I might do less photos because 24 is a lot. And even for the recent one that I released, I think earlier this week, there's a couple photos that I'm not as stoked about (laughs) as I'd like to be. So I think I'm definitely going to see what makes more sense going forward. But this was a sort of experiment that I wanted to do to challenge myself. I mean, I love it. What are these images chronological? Are they focused around the trips you're on? Are they focused around a theme? Like how... How are you deciding the, what's in the gallery? Yeah, great question. So this is another area where I think galleries have a lot of potential that I'm not utilizing. So right now, the gallery is essentially all the trips that I've done in the past three or four months leading up to, to when I release them. So there's not really any theme. There's no central theme to any of the trips I take or to any of the photos, really. Um, what I hope to do is that each photo expresses something or communicates something about an experience I had or an idea or a feeling, but together they don't usually have any theme except for that I took them in a three or four month period before I released them. But you know, going forward, I'm I'm hoping to do more theme related galleries. For example, Brent Clark has some themes on his website that I absolutely love. Um, that I think are they really communicate the feeling of the images and and the cohesive thought that went into them. So for now, it's just a uh, time bound. I would say is the theme. But going forward, I'd love to do a little bit more creative and thoughtful kind of gallery curation. So are you worried at all about burning out? That's, it's a really good question. Uh, I think for now, no. And the reason why I say that is because, like I said, this kind of challenge I've put upon myself enables me and motivates me to go out and have experiences. So the most important thing isn't the photos, although that is important to me, of course, but the most important thing is that I go outside, I go to beautiful places either by myself or with friends and and I have experiences and I see things and I I think that's that's the thing that I care about most and this enables that so as long as that's there I don't feel like I'll burn out that being said I know that it it's not super sustainable so but I think what's not sustainable is the amount of photos that are released because ultimately you want to keep whittling down the photos to something that's your best work and over time that should keep getting better and better hopefully and so I think the part of me is a little bit uh, nervous that my standards won't keep increasing. And so that then they'll kind of stagnate in a sense. But I'm not super worried about burning out 
doing photography because it enables me to have you know beautiful experiences that I that I wouldn't replace for anything. Dude. Let me ask you, Matt, have you ever felt burnout while f- doing photography? Oh man, I mean, I've so I've been making photos since 2010. More seriously, obviously, starting in like 2011. But yeah, I've experienced a lot of burnout. And when I think about it, it's usually driven by too much focus on external validation or measuring the results in a way that doesn't make sense, like print sales or uh, just things that don't, they matter, but like, it's not why I got into photography to begin with. Right. So, but I think, I think burn, this is going to sound kind of counterintuitive, but I think burnout sometimes can be a good thing because I think it forces you to kind of reevaluate what your motivations are and, and why you're making images. For example, 20, like 2013, I felt like I was at, this is going to sound super silly, but like, I was like at the top of the game, right? Like I was <laughs> making in my, in my estimation at the time, which is hilarious. I was making some amazing photography, right? And I, I had won this, like I won the Colorado Springs parks and rec calendar contest. And my photo was on the cover of the calendar. <laughs> Hell yeah. Stupid, but um but it was funny because literally two months after that happened I moved to Oregon where I knew I had zero familiarity with any of the subjects. I had no friends out there. It was like I was starting from scratch. And I made a really bad mistake in hindsight because I started chasing other people's photos and like trying I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go make that Alex Noriega shot on top of uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry Mountain. um, Or I'm going to go over here and I'm going to photograph this shot. And so, like, my motivation completely shifted because I felt lost. And so that I burned out really fast from that. Fortunately, I moved back to Colorado and I kind of refocused, you know, what my photography was all about. And I was not concerned at all about external validation or selling anything and I was just focused on having fun outside, you know, and that was a huge shift for me. So I think burnout sometimes can be a good thing. Yeah, totally. And and I fully expect to burn out at some point because I think at, at this rate, if I if I keep doing it the way I'm doing it, it, it would probably lead to burnout. But like, for example, I'm also working on a project with this, which is more thematically themed, which is I, I want to photograph where I live in San Francisco. I live in the Presidio of San Francisco, which is this federally owned plot of land just south of the Golden Gate Bridge, and it's part of the Golden Gate Recreational Area. So there's a lot of really beautiful beaches. There's some, you know, pine cypress groves and eucalyptus groves, just a lot of cool nature. And so my goal is to photograph this place and using, you know, my intimate style that I like doing, I guess, and to show the beauty that I see here. And so doing that, I've been doing that over the course of the last six months since I moved back to San Francisco, but doing that while also doing these gallery releases felt like too much. So there was one point, I think in April where I just stopped photographing near my home because it just felt, I was just photographing too often and too much. And, and I, yeah. So I think there's definitely, it's, it can get precarious if you're not careful is what I'll say. What have you had to give up to pursue this approach? That's an interesting question. I think what I've given up mostly is spending time in San Francisco. So usually when I lived here, you know, before the pandemic, 
I would go to a lot of concerts and I still go to some, I would, you know, go out to happy hours. I would hang out with people after work on the weekends. I would sometimes go camping, but it wouldn't be a consistent thing. So I've definitely given up the city life, I guess, a little bit where I, I don't go out that much, uh, which is fine with me now. Uh, but if I told myself that a few years ago, maybe not so much. So I've definitely sacrificed that. I also used to play soccer a lot. I played soccer in high school and and before. Um, so I, I'm in a league that plays once a week, but I don't often go. So there's definitely some things that I've had to sacrifice, but there's some things that I won't sacrifice. I won't sacrifice time with my my girlfriend or my close friends or time at work where I have to be here. So there's definitely, there's always going to be a negotiation in your head about what's worth it and what isn't, because there's only so much time in a day, in a week, in a year, in your life. So if every day is a precious resource, you have to think about what what are the things you care about and how should you prioritize it? And part of what I said earlier with reading that book and having that psychedelic experience is part of the reason why I've prioritized photography and being outside. I love that. I love that because you always have to give something up, you know, I mean, like you said, there's only so much time in the day and, you know, my friends are always asking me like, how do you do all the things you do? Like you have a job and you have a podcast and you're doing this, and you're doing that and blah, 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 blah. And, and I'm always like, I guarantee if, if you had all of those things dumped into your lap and you found them to be important, you'd figure it out. You know, it's all about, prioritizing what you find important in life. Yeah. I mean, even then I still don't know how you do everything that you do, Matt. It's crazy. Uh, you must have, you must be hyper efficient because every time I see how much, how much you put out, not just your photography, which is incredible, but also the podcast and, uh, you know, your articles, just everything. It's, it's really impressive. Oh, thanks. I, uh, yeah, I'm just, I think efficient probably a good word, but at the same time, like when we're done after this, I'm going to go eat dinner with my family and we're going to watch a baseball game on television and I'm going to finish packing for a three day backpacking trip. So it's like, Oh, right on. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like it's eating away at my life or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think you'd let it get to that point. You don't strike me as that kind of person. No, I would just stop doing it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That I'm with you. Well, this is maybe a good segue. So what are some other interests that you have? And how do those inform your photography? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting question. And, and I, I hope that other people that listen to this also think about this for themselves. Um, so over the past few years, I've become very interested in many different topics. I generally just love learning new things. I love reading. So I've been reading a lot of books in the past two years on subjects that I had never really considered or thought about. So ranging from you know human evolutionary history, psychology, which I know, Matt, is your field, consciousness, history, biology, neuroscience, meditation, physics, art, poetry, just a wide range of subjects because, one, I'm very interested in them, and there's just so much to learn in this world and in this life that I feel like I have to learn as much as I can. But all these things, all these subjects especially, help me understand myself a lot better and also the world, the physical world that I'm in and that I have to navigate every day. And in turn, I feel that that makes me a better person and, and a better photographer because I, take, I try to take all these ideas that I'm thinking about and learning about, and it gives me something more to say rather than just, oh, nature's beautiful, which isn't something, there's nothing wrong with saying that, of course, because nature is beautiful. But for me, that's not 
always enough. I want something else. I want to say something else besides that. And learning new things and studying things that I'm not used to studying helps bridge connections in my in my brain or my mind about things that I might not have considered in the past. So I think the Ansel Adams quote that's super cheesy that everyone has heard a million times. I'm just going to repeat it again because I think it's it's it ham- it nails the point completely. Which is he said. Quote, you don't make a photograph just with a camera. You bring to the act of photography all the pictures you have seen, the books you have read, the music you have heard, the people you have loved, end quote. So for me, that's perf- that's perfectly accurate for how I feel. It's, I think being interested in other subjects informs your worldview, which inform turn, you know, informs your photography if that's how you pursue photography. So it helps me have more things to say. It helps me express my views through photography, even if... <laughs> Only I get them. Uh, no one else gets them through that. As long as I do, that's okay. And I often feel that I have a lot to say because I've I read you know these things and I want to discuss them with people. And the best I can do sometimes is just communicate it through photography and through writing. Yeah, it's. Uh, <clears throat> I had a hard time trying to figure out who said this quote, so I'm not going to attribute it. I'm sure someone will send me a hate mail, but. It's one of my favorite quotes in photography, though. It's like, if you want to make more interesting photos, become a more interesting person. Totally. And having diverse interests and becoming more well-rounded in terms of your knowledge and curiosity about the natural world, but not just the natural world, but about politics and economics and biology and pretty much anything like you're you're just gonna make better photos because you're gonna see the world differently and you're gonna connect ideas and um i just feel like it's what you've said is just so true yeah and i think it's not just about being a more interesting person because that's great but i think it's also about being an interested person so being interested in the things around you being interested in other people i think that sense of curiosity is really important, not just for, you know, as a person, but as a photographer as well. So I think it does make you more interesting, but it also makes you more interested when you view the world in this way and you can find something curious or some wonder in in the things around you and that you want to learn more. I think that's really important as well. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Well, shifting gears again, uh, (laughs) You know, you've embraced the remote worker style of employment, uh, which has certainly enabled you to travel more and see more places. I'm curious how this lifestyle has informed your journey and what are some of the pros and cons of it? Yeah, I love talking about this. Uh, so thanks for that question. <laughs> uh, so I, in 2021, I'm just going to tell a quick story. I was, you know, at this point, I was still working remote as most people were, and I decided to do a seven month road trip with my car around the United States. So basically what I did is I left from Los Angeles where my parents are and I would drive, you know, a certain distance to a new city and then I would live there for a couple weeks and then I would go to the next city. And in between each city and on the weekends, I would go out to the natural places near those, near those cities and photograph them and experience them. And I did this basically for seven months straight. And I went in a big loop going from LA to Florida, from Florida to New York, and then New York to Seattle, stopping in Denver for a little, and then Seattle down to LA. So it was a very grueling time, but honestly, the most beautiful period of my life, probably. It was just incredible. And I felt like I was finally filling the void that on the road had created for me that that I mentioned earlier. 
And it also gave me a lot of practice. I photo, I was photographing an absurd amount, probably more than I should have been <laughs> on, in hindsight, but there was nothing else really that I felt like doing because I was I would go somewhere and I didn't know anyone there. I would go to the, the parks and I would just photograph the things that I was drawn to. So I slowly gained more confidence. I was photographing a wide range of subjects from the desert to the mountains to you know, the forest and the East Coast to the Badlands. So the variety of subject was really interesting. And I finally made it back to California and I just kept photographing a lot because it had become a huge part of the way that I experienced the world. And working from, you know, working remotely, it really enables that because you're basically, and this, these are the pros, uh, you know, you have flexible working time. You don't have to commute. You can go out and shoot at 2 p.m. if you want, come back and finish working. You can live basically anywhere you want as long as your employer is okay with that. And you don't have to be close to a home office in a specific city. You can save time and money by not having to commute or spending money on gas and things like that. And for me, at least, it's not the same for everybody, but there's a better work-life balance where you can prioritize your life when it matters most and not have to worry about being physically in an office for eight hours a day. Now, the cons, which I've certainly felt, is that it can be a little bit isolating because you're usually, for me at least, I'm in a room by myself for X number of hours per day working. I don't talk to anyone except over video. You're working in the same room the whole day, and that can be quite draining. You don't get to collaborate in person and build personal relationships, which is something that humans are like genetically designed to do. And there's distractions at home. You know, I can pick up my phone at any moment. I can open up Instagram on my computer. There's just a lot of a lot more distractions, so it's harder to be productive sometimes. But for me, it f- feels like the flexibility of it is just unheard of in in modern human times, really any human time. And I think more people should take advantage of that and really take hold of the things that they want using this kind of work approach if they're able to, because not everyone can, of course. Um, And for me, I'm having to go back into the office a few days a week. I haven't started yet. I'm just going to see how long I can get away with it. (laughs) Um, But for for me, it's been, you know, extremely valuable and rewarding for personally and for photography. Yeah. What, uh, what were maybe like your top three favorite cities? Well, the ones that I hadn't been to before, because I'd been to some of them already, like Seattle, I'd been to and Portland, I'd been to in New York, but net new, I would say Atlanta, DC, and I think New Orleans. Interesting. Yeah. I have never been to Atlanta, but I have been to DC and I have been to New Orleans and yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. So I only stopped at, I think maybe uh, 11 or 12 cities. And they were mostly major cities that I'd been to a lot of them already. Um, what was most interesting, as you can probably imagine, are all the all the national parks that I was able to see and all the different terrains and ecosystems that are... The US is just a beautiful, natural wonder. Unfortunately, a lot of it isn't how it used to be, but there's still so much to see and so many beautiful things all over the country. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing kind of going hand in hand with that lifestyle of traveling and remote work is kind of more of a minimalistic uh, lifestyle. And I'm, I'm guessing that's had a pretty positive impact on your approach to making images. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about that too. Yeah, for sure. I definitely consider myself a minimalist in basically every aspect of my life. And the reason I try to live this way is that it helps keep my priorities for what's important very clear. You know, I don't own a lot of material things. I try to get the most of the things that I do have. And 
I don't need a lot to be content. So that's just a personal thing. And I think that lends itself really well to the minimalistic lifestyle. Um, but yeah, I, you know, being on the road, I, I had basically all my possessions in a car and it wasn't a big car either, a little Hyundai Elantra. So, <laughs> you know, in that sense, you have to keep things as concise as possible in your life and, and in what you care about. And photography, this translates for me to using cheap used equipment. So I have a Canon 5D Mark II, which is a 20-year-old camera that's no longer being produced uh, that is a, is a real unit. It's just a huge camera that weighs a lot. And I, you know, I do that on purpose because I, it's a limitation, but also because I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of spending a lot of money on photography because there certainly is a lot to buy. Um, so I keep my setup as simple as I can. And I do believe that you can take great photos with basically any equipment. So I think the minimalistic approach to life, to the gear that I have also translates to the photos I take or the photos that I enjoy, because I, I personally really enjoy f- photos that are concise, but that are clear as well. So I don't, I don't really enjoy very chaotic scenes that have distractions. Uh, I know there's many photographers that, that shoot that kind of scene and it's, they do it super well, but for me, I, I just can't, my brain can't handle it. So I really <laughs> like the, so I like the concise kind of clear photos for me at least. And that's the kind of photos that I try to take. And that's informed, like I said, by the idea that minimalism is a, is a valid way to live for me personally. Um, and that's probably why I'm terrible at forest photography as well. <laughs> no, forest photography is just hard. It's hard, man. I I don't know how people do it. It's every time I try, I'm, I I that's the most frustrated I get doing photography is going into the forest. I love the forest, but it's just impossible for me. It's like we said earlier. It's all about trial and error, lots of failure, and eventually you make a good image. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After you sift through the trash of the hundreds of images, there's there's maybe one. Well, you you also just get better at knowing that you shouldn't take the picture. Like oh. It'll, it's not going to work. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, if you were to upgrade your camera, what would you pick? So I've been thinking about this a little bit because I'm getting to the point where I feel my equipment is limiting me in some ways. I was shooting with Martin um, a couple of weeks ago and he has a Fujifilm and he can do double exposures in his camera, for example. Oh, right. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the coolest thing. I want to do that. And this old beast can't do it. Uh, and also I've been going backpacking more recently and this camera is extremely heavy and just makes the experience a bit more miserable. So I don't know the specific camera, but I think I might stay within the Canon world because I have a few lenses. Well, two specifically that I'd like to keep using hopefully, but I'd like to go mirrorless just because the weight aspect and, and also I think the technology is there. But like I said, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about, <laughs> about cameras. So I might have to do a good amount of research before I drop, you know, significant money. Totally. All right, man. Uh, last question. Who would you recommend our listeners learn more about? I love this question. And I have five wonderful photographers. So the first most people will probably guess is my friend, Martin Gonzalez. Like I said, he's he's a good friend. He's my photography mentor. Without him, I wouldn't be on this podcast. He's super thoughtful, intelligent, and really funny. And he also takes awesome photos. So I've looked up to his work, like I said, since I started photographing and he consistently puts out very high quality work. So I'd love to hear him share his personal journey, his approach to composition, um, as well as the role of critiquing mentorship and all that. And if you want to find him on Instagram, his, uh, his handle is MG exposures altogether. So he's, he's great. 
Uh, the second is Sigfredo Zimmerman. So I don't know him personally, but he's a biologist. He's living in Southern California, and he puts out really interesting, intimate work that I think most people would overlook in the field, even other photographers. So I highly recommend his work. And I think he'd be awesome to have on the podcast, given his background as a biologist. Yeah, he just put up a really cool photo of like some sea kelp. Oh, yeah. That one is crazy. The colors are just so good. Yeah, I like his stuff too. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. And then the third is Nick Becker. Um, I don't know him either personally, but he has really interesting photos. What I like most about his work is his writing. He writes about a wide range of subjects, including creativity, his learning process, his emotions in nature. And I think he'd be a really interesting person to have come on to talk about, talk about that. And the fourth is Alfredo Mora. I think maybe most people might know him, but he's doing some things that I don't think any other photographers are doing. He's a great guy also, great photographer. He does these really cool multi-exposure shots that are super unique, really interesting and, and very compelling. So I think I'd, I'd love to hear him speak about, about that process and also his, his journey. And then the last is Richard Martin, another really interesting, unique photographer who, in my opinion, takes very creative photographs. Uh, again, I don't know him personally, but I'd be curious to learn about his approach to creativity and photography and how he approaches uh, his compositions. Yeah, I've done a on landscape article on both Alfredo and Richard. So they're awesome choices. There you go. Yeah. All right, Alberto, this has been super fun, man. Yeah, I, I had a great time. Thanks for having me on. I love talking about this stuff. So it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you to Alberto for the very fun conversation here on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find a bonus episode over on Patreon about the influence that immigration from Spain to the United States has had on Alberto's approach to photography. Patreon is an excellent way to help sustain the podcast financially while getting access to early episodes, bonus episodes, swag, and a lot more. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash fstop and listen to help keep the podcast alive. That's patreon.com forward slash fstop and listen. Speaking of Patreon, I have to thank our most recent supporters who have pitched in to keep the podcast going. Patreon has become a huge part of my family's way to stay afloat, so I really appreciate everyone who has stepped up, including David Schmidt and Daryl Ann Leonard. Thank you both for helping out. Let's talk about what's coming next for the podcast. I've already recorded three more episodes at the time of this edit, which is on July 24th. We have Eric Erlenbush coming next. He's a Utah photographer and the former gallery director for Thomas Mendelssohn. We have Marsha Kirschbaum coming up after that. Marsha is a passionate and talented night photographer specialist and an ardent night sky proponent. Lastly, we have UK multiple exposure and ICM photographer Valda Bailey coming after that, which I think y'all will really enjoy hearing from. Well, okay, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.